Yeah. Welcome back to the Deep AIX podcast. This is podcast number 14. Today we are talking about circle of competence. Andres, take it away. Why are we talking uh, about circle of competence? Why me? <laughs> I thought you were going to no, go I, I, like, I know. I know, very, I, know very, I know very well, but I've got to do that thing, you know. So why are we talking about circle of competence? Um... I mean, um, we're talking about it because we have been trying some things that, you know, didn't work because they're not in our circle of competence. And then, like, we think that it's, it's difficult to work on things where you don't know what you're doing. And sometimes, obviously, it's necessary if you do like new things. But if you're if you're building your business at the beginning, uh, I mean, you need to get to some level of um, cash flow or, or or something. So you you know you can't live off air and nothing. Yeah, and so so yeah. So when you start building things that are not in your circle of competence then, you know, it's kind of, everything takes longer and, you know, maybe the payoffs are much larger, but it's much, the probability of the payoff just goes down a lot. And so what we call like whatever entrepreneurs ROI is basically probability of success of a project times payoff divided by, you know, your investment in terms of time and money and, I think at the beginning, until you hit base camp, which is some amount of monthly cash flow, you need to not care so much about the maximum payoff, but more care about a higher probability. So you can survive. Because if you don't survive, then you go back to your job or you go back to consulting or anything else. And that's probably worse than, you know, mentally and also physically worse because you spend a lot of time doing that and multitasking probably better to focus on getting some kind of baseline going by focusing on stuff that you know than to you know try to build that big moonshot thing but it's completely outside of your circle of competence i think that's where it comes from for us at least yeah, a hundred percent. And that that base camp is different for everyone. I mean, our base camp we want to get to we put it on the website, right? We want to get to twenty five thousand dollars, or I guess that's twenty thousand pounds a month. Um, Ca- cash net. flow, yeah, net net. cash flow, and yeah, in our pockets, so yeah. ten each in pounds. And then so some of the other twelve and a half dollars. The other stuff is that you know that when you have that cash flow. Sometimes you can buy in some expertise to unlock problems, you know. So, and other moonshots just take money, like, you know. And, and if you look at the great guys, yeah, yeah, they're all like, you know, AI and they're all talking about amazing things and CRISPR and biotech and, you know, flying to Mars. But usually they all made money in sort of like, you know, in the base camp area first before they started sending rockets to Mars. And I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that they started with small projects, but I'm also not saying that I am one of these amazing guys. So. No, I, I agreed. Kind of, I, I, I think it's, I think it's really important. It's another, another big learning for us, I think. And I think hopefully other people won't make the same mistake. They can just focus on getting to that number first and then evolving from there. We kind of got to a baseline number of, I guess you'd call it quote unquote financial freedom. Uh, and then just went like, oh, let's just go for the most crazy ideas as possible instead of like achieving our original goal. Um, and so, so yeah, I think this is important. Um, why don't we just also talk about, um, relating that back to Buffett and stuff so that because that that we've always talked about circle of competence right it's always been an important thing to do but like maybe people listening to this don't know about that concept 
maybe if you could explain that the thing that Buffett talks about with circle yeah. confidence, like why it's important. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Buffett more talks about like investing, and I think if you're if you're like doing startups, you're actually the opposite of Buffett, right? So yes, I mean, yeah, Buffett talks time. about. Well, I no, I think Buffett talks. What I think is Buffett talks about circle of competence, about like you know, you need to know the industry you're investing in, and then you know just stick within that industry. So, you know, you need to really understand the economics of the industry, and then find the good investments in that industry instead of, you know, what do you know about God knows, like I don't know, solar the solar industry, you know nothing about it, right? You don't know, right? Like, or, like, so, like, I think he's talking about, like, sticking in your circle, with your circle of competence because he wants to, avo- like, avoid mistakes. So he think like, it's basically a little bit like, you know, it's like a negative science in investing instead of trying to find the big thing is, like, how do I avoid making mistakes? I think in VC it's the opposite, or in like, like in startups or like in philanthropy, you're kind of swinging for the fences. But what I'm trying to say is, when you swing for the fences, the probability of success is very low, and it's just better at the beginning to do things that are within your circle of competence because you have a higher certainty of a payoff that you need to survive yeah yep. and then once you're, once you're there you've yeah. got the freedom right i mean that's yeah, well, i'm sure yeah. if you look at the first investments that berkshire hathaway made um and then you look at the later investments they completely change right because he took things that were just high cash flow generating and then put those into uh more stable more higher roe over time like meaning like he did the things we're talking about but like then did the more stable things that worked better for his strategy i I believe it's the same it's just a different field but yeah 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 i i mean i think that ultimately it's not rational to be an entrepreneur i mean ultimately if you're just you're not maximizing for money so I think you only need to ma- maximize for money and payoff until you're in base camp, and then you actually become irrational. Well, otherwise, if you do, if you stay rational, which Buff- Buffett is ultimately just rational, then yes, you just 100%. you don't do then you don't do any of the things that you know somebody like Elon Musk and so on, or like many other guys would do, because they are not rational. Because these people are not maximizing for money. They're maximizing no, they're, 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 they're maximizing for potential output uh, on low probabilities and just a large number of bets, which is the inversion of what you just talked about. Yeah, that, but they're not rational because like, the probabilities of success are so low that the most likely outcomes can be failure. And most people that are entrepreneurs are, are quite opposite of what Buffett is. But I think you have to think about like, making a minimum cash flow and then once you have it then you need to do irrational things like irrational as in you're probably gonna not make money off them that's that's yeah. completely like buffett would never do those things that's what i'm kind of yeah. trying to say yeah I, I i agree with all of that but i think there's also a bit of a misconception about um when you then go on to do any of those ambitious things because in many cases you're actually mitigating risk. You take risk, but you're mitigating it all the time. It's not like you're just lawless, just blowing money just for the purpose of a, a mission and a vision. You're doing it like super carefully and every you know every penny that's spent is checked and put into things that are producing or potentially producing future success. It's not just, um, it's not the way it's portrayed, I don't think. Like, I don't think. I know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it's like that you're just wasting money. But I think even if you're extremely careful, your chances of success are usually still like below 10%. Yeah, when, agreed. When you're actually doing these things, whereas Buffett's investments are like probably close to, you know, 
100, 90%, 100% success chance, you know. Like Coca-Cola yeah. is not the same as shooting a rocket. It's quite the opposite. Mars bars are quite the opposite from shooting rockets to Mars. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but 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 I think the the problem is that I think actually the other side, the other thing is more of the problem that most people they start like with some startup and then they say, "Well, I'm going to do this crazy thing," and they are not like taking this really big risk of like you know being outside of their circle of competence and then running out of cash and then, you know, going back to that job and just saying, I tried and it didn't work. And anyway, we, we, we did this as well, right? To some degree, we tried, I mean, we tried some things that are highly risky and, and they've, and some of them failed, but, and, and, and it's not a problem, but like what we basically said, like, let's focus 80, 90% of our time getting to base camp and 10, 20% of our time working on, you know, stuff that's like you know kind of like out there risky and amazing if it works and then flip that ratio around once you're at base camp i think that's the big learning for me personally yeah likewise likewise i, I think it's a really good um refocusing um yeah because they're mundane it's, it's, things they're fucking boring things let's be honest like yeah definitely yeah yeah definitely but I mean, that stuff is free. To, that's, you know, I mean, obviously we've put quite a high number as well. Like, it's not like, oh, let's get to, uh, you know, two 5K. grand a month each or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's 10 K in pounds net a month each. Um, yeah. Before we're, you know, consider we're at base camp, but I mean, that's true. That's true headroom, right? Because if you're, if you, if you live frugally, no matter where you are traveling around the world, you can kind of say maybe two is your budget, um, maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah. Then you've got a lot of headroom. You've got like 80% headroom. So you can invest that, you can save that, you can be, you know, you can be, you can be fiscally conservative with that money and then you can work on wild ideas and have like just, you know, it's doing the stuff that, um, that Chamath Palahapatiya talked about in all those interviews where he said, like, you know, if you take like this super, uh, what did he say? He said, you invest like Berkshire. I can't remember the term. It's basically like be really, really careful with the money that comes in, but then invest it in like these ideas that are exponential. And uh, that yeah. I think that's, I think that's totally possible with that amount of income. Um, yeah, I think so too. I also think like that I'm not like these, you know, you need to also take into account your, um, you know, where you are in your life, like what point in your life you are. Because these guys that we're talking about that are taking like crazy risk, they're like usually in their, you know, 20, early 20s and they study at university and they're happy, you know, eating the university lunch and living in the dorm room. But like at some point in your life, you need a little bit more money. Just, you know, and I'm not the worst because there's people that have, you know, cars and mortgages. But I just think like, you know, there's no point in me like taking this ridiculous you know, upside upside risk all the time right now when I can just equally work a little bit longer and then live live extremely comfortably. Not that I'll be blowing 10K a month, but like spend time, I spend like money on high quality stuff and live a good life and have money to reinvest. Like I'd, yeah. I'd rather do that. I'd rather live that lifestyle than live in a shoebox with my girlfriend, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, agreed. And the pain threshold, I think, like, you know, I think I have a big pain threshold, but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think maybe some of these people, they're just so oddly wired in their brain that they don't even care whether they, you know, look like complete shit and, eat check in a box every day for a year straight 
or ramen noodles for a year straight. I do care about like the way I look. I do care about what I eat. I do care about living in a in a in a good place. And it doesn't constrain me that hard on on anything else. You know? No, agreed. I, I think I I think it's uh, the the guy from Basecamp who you know we discussed before, um, yeah. Jason Freed. But he did say. He did say some things that I do agree with, and one of the things he said is that he said I think most founders should um, should take some money off the table and you know put a couple million in the bank and then continue to work on their idea because he said I think that changes the brain chemistry and the way people think. And I think it's it's, yeah. it's in parallel with what you're discussing, right? Because if that's there, you don't give a fuck. You've got you've got fuck you money. You don't care anymore. Well, that's um, well that, that but that's what I'm kind of trying to say. Like you gotta be honest with yourself. And I think some of these I founders agree. some of these founders have a different pain threshold, maybe due to their age or maybe through to the way they were structured in their head. I think some of these guys Or they're full you know, of shit. I don't think that they're full of shit. Some of them might be, but I think some of them they literally just said, Look, um the you know, it's too important that I work on this really big idea right now. I, I can't even wait half a year and I don't care whether I live the way I live. I, I just want to work on this right now. But, I, you know, but, and then they still make rational decisions, right? Because they really believe that. Like they yeah. really believe that. And because of that, they, they don't feel like they need to delay gratification. And they're actually able to, you know, execute as if they had 10 million in the account because they just like to live like that. But if you're honest with yourself and you don't live like that and you don't have that money in the account, you constantly start making subconsciously decisions that are, you know, not delaying gratification because you actually don't like your lifestyle. So it's then better to first put some money into your account and then start working on the big ideas because otherwise... You might come to a break point and then you do make that short-term decision because you are fed up with your lifestyle and you can't make the right decision. And that's much worse than first sorting out that Friedman or Fried thing, not Friedman, Fried. That's what I think. And I'm in that, po I'm in that position. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think, um, I think uh, when I did my first startup, uh, it was before I met you, I literally, that's literally what I did. I was consulting similar to you making a lot of money and then just completely stopped it and built a startup, which was like, what was it? Selling, <laughs> selling tickets. <laughs> that's funny if I even say it out loud. Selling city tickets to all the cities all over the world. So you could like get a ticket to a city and it would give you access to all the attractions for like half the price. When did uh, you I, do I, that? I, I, I don't know if I even spoke to you about this. It was in. I thought I saw 20. you walking around the London Eye with this yellow hat on. <laughs> no, 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 but us, no, it's, no. It's actually his little brother. He didn't know about. <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't go out. It was all online. It was purely a website. But no, 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 um, no. You you were dressed like a triangle, and it was just a, a, a hole cut in the triangle, and your face was sticking out. And it says, hit me with, if you want a ticket for free. <laughs> Is it with one of those one of those arrows that you spin around? Yeah. <laughs> and you could do like magic tricks with the arrow and you're like trying to impress the girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with zero success at that point. Um, I think... Um, uh, well, it's kind of equivalent. What you're describing is kind of equivalent <laughs> in what actually ended up happening. So that was, I'd been consulting for about two years. So I yeah. banked a lot of money and then I, I bought a nice car and yeah. um, I didn't know, I, I didn't understand anything. And yeah. I basically said, well, okay, well, this is what all the entrepreneurs I've read about do. So I just yeah. resigned, sold my car, put the money in the bank and worked on it for 11 months straight working like, you know, some days working two days straight without sleeping and like really masochistic kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then got into so much, well, I say debt, it wasn't debt. It was just some overdrafts and, and what have you that I just then had to then swing 
the entire other way and go back to consulting. And then I was just like making yeah. as much money as I possibly could. Like for customers, I was working two days in one day, uh, you know, and charging for two days in one day and just like banking everything I could. And it's just, yeah, massive mistake. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, we, we have to keep iterating and evolving, but, um, what you're describing is I think probably a mistake that a lot of people make because they, they, they go for the dream and then they lie to themselves and they go yeah. maybe too extreme without, you know, thinking about it as an investor, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is what this, this EROI thing is, right? This entrepreneur's ROI thing that you came up with, which I think yeah. is, should be published, whether you put it in a book or you put it online, it should try and get that out there. Cause I think it's a, metric that no one uses they use all these other like yeah. pseudo metrics and soft metrics and like uh, anecdotal uh quotes and oh this is important and blah 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 but like eroi i think is probably the best way to measure any idea um um because that applies to circle of competence right because you shouldn't yeah, be working no, on no, stuff I, that you can't do right yeah. so yeah, well, you can, yeah, like you can actually make it a little bit more concrete because, like, um, we're building a certain AI software over which we had partial control. Like, so what does it mean, circle of competence? Like, it means you have full control over the technical domain. That means you can implement this, like, from from zero to one hundred without needing anybody else. Like, yep. you know, like the way we have control over apps and stuff. But like, if you, if you just take a technology and like you copy it and, and you say, yeah, it does what I want it to do. And then you start, you know, getting into, you know, distribution or maybe, you know, with other people and, and, and you, um, and all of a sudden, like you start iterating, then you start learning very quickly that you don't have domain expertise because as soon as you start iterating, it's just it drags out, right? You, because you don't know what you're doing 100%. So you need to start Googling and you need to start calling people and you realize you can't run the model anymore and it doesn't exactly do what you want. And eventually, you know, you know and if you work on moonshots, that's by definition the case because you're doing something nobody has done. So like, it's just, it's just an endless path and you don't know what you're doing versus, and so we had to stop that. Because versus, let's say we have the deal sourcer app, um, there's something that's very easy to do and that brings money straight away. It's uh, writing a book, and then you put that in the deal sourcer app, and you know, and you explain your app, and it has marketing value, and people will buy the book, and that that's very simple. Or you say, let's look for new distribution partners. We have Samuel Leeds, but there's other distribution partners. There's thousands of people that you know have YouTube channels and so on and so forth. Or like, let's optimize the conversion. Let's optimize, you know, that stuff. Or let's create a, you know, re-engagement funnel. Or let's build this app, the same app for Italy if we find a partner, you know. Or whatever. Let's sell third-party products on our platform. Like all the things that are completely under our control and that will generate cash from day one. They won't generate millions, not like if you solve some really big moonshot thing, like, I don't know, like cure for cancer, but still they might generate three, four K and like you add three, four, five of these over like, you know, and, and a very short projects. I mean, I can write a book in a month and I can bring it out and it's hundred percent going to generate cash and marketing and all of that kind of stuff and provide value. And you're going to add three, four, five of these things. And before you know it, you are at your 25 thousand dollars per month in that cash flow you know <laughs> yeah and yeah if you agreed. don't do that if you don't do that and you go with the ai something complicated bio crispr blah 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 god knows you know if you could be you could be kicking the can down the street for another year or like you know like they say like the chance of success is like 
0.1%. Yeah, and all of the venture guys like Kostler, they all want you to do that. Of course, they want you to do that because they need hundreds, if not thousands of people like Palahapatia to give like a little bit of money to hoping that one of them will actually do the thing that's very unlikely because they don't give a fuck. They already have the money, right? They need little guys, you know, taking the risk for them. But you as the little guy, you want to, I think, first de-risk a little bit. That's what I think. Yeah, just just to make it more concrete, because you could build something like, you know, I had an idea years ago about VR. And VR still, like, you know, four or five years later, it's just, you know, it hasn't taken off. It's not it hasn't replaced phones yet. It hasn't like reached like platform status. Like it's very often that, you know, if you don't get the timing right in technology that's as that you know if you're too early that's as bad as being too late because i haven't seen anybody running around with a vr headset on their on their head or like i don't know anybody who has a vr headset you know <laughs> so yeah i you know, I, I, I agree you know, that can be that can be decades that can literally be decades there's you know there's yeah. there's a ton of people like that right there's like reed hoffman and all these guys that started social networks in the late 90s and none of them worked. And then like a decade later, they were the largest companies in the world. Same with the exactly. search engines. I, I, I couldn't, could yeah. not agree more. And I, and I think, I think most of this, there's a breadcrumb for most of the things you're talking about. So you just got to do the research and I guess invert on everything as well. Like if it, if it's yeah. what's all the reasons it could work and then what's all the reasons it wouldn't. And then look at all these different things at the same time because i think it's um it's just so easy to wishful thinking right all that stuff starts to play into it, it starts to become romantic it starts to you know yeah exactly yeah, yeah exactly and then also all the big buzzwords right like you always have to be careful when you hear everybody talking about AI and all of these things at the same time like because data or whatever you yeah. know all of that shit like because i think like you know if i look at the big companies none of them are AI companies. Like Facebook's not really an AI company. They use some machine learning, no. but, you know, Zuckerberg didn't take uh, Facebook to where he took it using AI. You know, he used maybe some very simple, you know, recommender system, but nothing. It was all based on making people enjoy the experience and getting more connections per person to make the network bigger and bigger. Tesla hasn't solved self-driving. Slack is not an AI company. You know, you name it, any of the big companies, I mean, you know, I, I, they're not AI companies. Instagram is not an no, AI they're company. No, they're just, they're just great products with network effect. That's all they are. Great products with network effect. Or, Very or well just built. great products. Like the iPhone, like... Yeah. Most of what you do with your iPhone is really just based on like very nice compute power and good internet connection, strong hardware, simple software, right? Nothing to do with AI per se. Maybe the photos, okay, the photos maybe, yeah. But no, but I think I, I think you're completely right. I think it's the last. You're talking about like the. Uh, the optimization, you know, that between the 90% and 100% optimization of the product, making it better, that's where they've maybe used that sugar on top. But the core products yep. are just rather they're built on top of the web. So they're like websites that became successful or their mobile apps or their and all of those are, are core platforms that have had like 20, 30 years to mature versus like, yeah, I could not agree more, man. It's yeah, I think because, this is very important yeah. for the future. We have to be very careful that we don't jump on the wave too early you know well exactly i was going to use exactly that same metaphor it's a little bit like surfing you know like in surfing if you have ever done it if you know if you take the wave too early and you start paddling too early you'll never catch the wave because it will just pass you and it'll just you it'll just start you know it just start breaking like 20 meters in front of you because you're too slow you can't and that's what happens when you get too when you jump too early onto it like that s-curve paradigm of some technology like you just miss you can't paddle strong enough to catch it same thing if you're too late you just get you just get steamrolled 
like Bezos, like really, he caught like a tsunami and he jumped on it in exactly the right moment. And he's obviously an extremely good surfer, so to speak. But if yeah, he had done excellent execution. Excellent execution. But if he had done this 10 years earlier, he would have been fucked. And if he had done it 10 years later, somebody else would have outdone him already. So, you know, this, and same with Zuckerberg, right? Like, there were other, like, uh, platforms that were, you know, maybe not quite as good in execution, but some of them were too early, you know? I mean, he didn't make, uh, I, I don't know where 99% of the profits come from in Facebook, but definitely not from Oculus Rift. Right? There he's no, just they, taking... they all come from ads. He just took the Google model and, and cloned it and put it on top of the Facebook platform. Uh, same with Google. Large... Like Google jumped on the right technology at the right point in time. 99% of their or 90% of their profits come from ads. All of their other projects, like you know, Waymo, all these self-driving cars, quantum computers, airplanes that beam internet down. They've all been delayed and dragged out into the future because they're basically, you know, waves that, that aren't ready yet. They're not ready yet. The only guy who's done it extremely well is Elon Musk, right? Who, like, timed multiple waves correctly. Yeah, but you could argue that... You could argue or that... created that is, them himself. Yeah. yeah, you could argue that he's created them and also he's paved the way for, like, the EV stuff. Like, now... All the all the automakers will be moving to EVs, and we'll need battery yeah. packs and drivetrains and, and battery factories and all this other stuff. But like, you know, he had to eat shit for fourteen years or whatever it is, twelve years. It's yeah, He had a nice hundred fifty million in the account when he started. He yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, but, 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 I, I, but I think he has a higher threshold than us. I think he went all the way out and basically invested everything. So, you know, he has a higher pain threshold. He's happier with different lifestyle, I think. And he's not a good, he's not a good example. You don't want to... No, uh, I don't think... No, no. And also you're basing it on one sample, right? So from statistics, you wouldn't... <laughs> you would say, like, that's not representative. Um, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. So, yeah... Yeah, I guess that's, yeah. So I guess that's, yeah. I, I think it's important to start with something that builds your base for the for the average person. Or once you have the base, then you start going into higher risk projects. And I think the average person just either is like completely naive and goes into these projects that are outside of their com circle of competence or they extremely... Uh, overly cautious and always you know stick in their little shitty thing like always always keep their little e-commerce shop or always always stay like that little software consulting company yeah exactly none of none of them are right i think i think you have to switch between them yeah you gotta do it in like, stages i think and you've got to be yep. very uh thoughtful about where you are in that yeah, exactly um you know, and, yeah. and you've got to be both like you've got to be both at the same time. You have to be like conservative as well as being ambitious at each stage and constantly like it's very hard, but you have to do. Yes, yeah, that's the hard thing, right? It's rationalizing all this stuff and thinking it through. That's the hard work looking at all of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's I think the best thing is to start 80, 20. Like yeah. inside your circle, so like I'd call it base camp projects and moonshot projects. And then once you have base camp, just flip it. Do like, like whatever, 90, 10, 90 moonshot, 10 base camp, I think. And the same yeah. counts for your organization. Like you need to hire or add like base camp people at the beginning, base camp capacity. And then later add like moonshot capacity. You can't really add moonshot capacity. That's anyway the problem. If you don't have base camp, you can't add moonshot resources because they're too expensive. If you're making 5K a month, you can't add like a researcher in biotechnology that has like an 80K yearly salary. 
No, I agree. I mean, I think it depends on how big the idea is, but I think at some point you have to be open to the idea of uh, which we are, of, you know, raising capital if you're at that level, because then then you're not taking the risk. You're, you're risking other people's capital. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff around that that have to be right for that to make sense. Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, and it's and it's not yeah. what people think it is. It's not glamorous. It's mostly a job. So you've got to set yeah, up. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I I think that's risky if I don't have uh, already base camp because the the thing that's no, most I wouldn't do it without. Is, I would not do it without. No way. I because the, the, the most likely the most likely thing that happens is that basically the VC buys you to execute some idea that you think you came up with, but really they then steer and direct and they say, look, if this guy fucks up and goes out bankrupt, I don't care because we have 50 of these guys and one of them will make it and we will make a billion. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. you wanna, their risk return is very different from yours. They have multiple loads of shots at it. You have one and you use and, 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 and it's not their capital. And it's not their capital. They've no, raised it from other investors. <laughs> it's not their capital and it's not their time. They're not using their best years. No, 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 they're not. They're, they're not. They're, they're already making money, right? They're already base camp. Why are they not why are they not saying, look, let me put ninety nine percent of my own capital into your idea? There's a reason there and time. There's a reason they're not doing that. They're they're not doing that because they know the probability that you succeed is very low. So I yeah. I don't believe in that idea. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think yeah. for every Bezos, there's a thousand Bezoses that didn't do it. Yeah, could not agree more. Could not agree it more. It has a massive it's, it's... survival bias, right? This whole data set. You never hear yeah. of the Bezos that jumped off the Golden Gate because he lost everything. Yeah, exactly. I, I think also it becomes a dependency. Like I know from when I did it, um, it starts off as your idea and your mission. And then it turns into a dependency where you're literally like, instead of it being like a job where you're addicted yeah. to the paycheck, it's like you're addicted to the paycheck and then you have all these lock-ins of equity and uh, investment bias, which is your investment of time. And it's it's super bad. But I, I, I think for the certain ideas and certain terms and certain, it depends on who would be investing. There is cases where it does make sense, but I think it only makes sense when you you personally have financial freedom, and I think there's a lot exactly. of yeah. misconceptions about that, and I think a lot of people look at that space, and not even tech, just like oh, I'm gonna raise money from investors and invest it into property. It's like yeah, that works if you're doing it on the basis where um, you have you don't have any um, or, or you're not taking or, it. You're not taking any risk because otherwise you end up working for them. It just becomes the same thing, just with a different vehicle. You know th that that that's true. If if that, that's true, or the uh, the other the other uh, scenario where it does work is if you have a sort of like a working capital type business and you know you have the demand, but you just need to build the inventory and you need to build you know, the outlets and the factory to be able to, you know, handle the demand. And it's just a matter of working capital. Like, what I mean by that is, if you think about lemonade stand, if I have a thousand people queuing, but I only have a hundred pounds in my pocket, I kind of like make a hundred pounds worth of lemonade and then I sell it and then I end up with 120 pounds. And again, I do that and it just takes a lot of time to build it up. If I had somebody give me 10,000 pounds, I could serve a thousand people immediately. And that's a, in, that, in that case, it makes sense. But then it's more like a distribution problem. You know, you just need somebody to pour oil on the fire. But then again, why would you take equity? Why not take venture debt? Uh, yeah, depends on the situation, I guess, and how quickly you can raise the money and what investors are willing to put in the cash. But I agree, in that scenario, it makes sense to use debt. Um, but um, not if you're cracking a technological problem that nobody knows whether you will or not. No, and that's probably why Musk put in his own capital in Tesla and then raised the rest from Sequoia and all these guys because he was like, look, we've still got a lot of shit we've got to do for like 10 yeah. years before we can... But when we do, then we'll just 
suck up the whole market and we'll be too far ahead for them to catch us. Um, yeah, and, 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 and again, when like, he talks about reasoning from first principles, that's basically him, you know, managing the risk on the technology. And I don't know how many people are, you know, good at managing risk of, you know, unproven technologies. Not many, not many could like probably handle like that management and assessing that risk. You know, <laughs> I don't know. That's the that's the difference between him and most people. Like, yeah, I could, I, he, I could not knew, agree more. You know, he knew that electric cars work from a first principles physics point of view. If I have to look on at you know some new technology, the, the like, cost curves and stuff, the cost curves over time, he could figure that out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't think that's super easy, and that's why he does stuff like neural link because he probably has enough insights to understand that something will work. Whereas I have no idea about neuroscience and opening the brain and inserting chips and stuff. So, you know, like he has the ability to do the things that to normal people sound completely crazy. And he has the ability to say, no, I know why it works and how it works. I, I just don't because I can't even do some of the, you know, more basic AI stuff. Yeah. Likewise, likewise, monkeys, <laughs> chimps that learn to talk. <laughs> you want a banana? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I don't mean we can't crack these things, and we are working on on them. No, I, I, I agree. I get the I get 80, the point. Eighty twenty until we have twenty five k every month. Yeah, and exactly. preferably not from one source. Preferably from no, two, three different three, sources. Three or four, three or four would be good. And then, you know, yeah. no matter what economy or environment, it's just always pouring in. And then you put that into maybe, uh, I think Samuel calls it, um, which I think is quite smart, he calls it fast pounds and slow pounds. So the fast pound okay. is what we're describing. And then, like, the slow pounds are the things like rental properties, dividends, uh, you know, the index, the ETFs, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, because, because then you're securing the, oh, to quote a hip hop term, you're securing the bag. <laughs> you're locking in uh, your money instead of like you know putting the it into FU, the fu bag. <laughs> yeah, the fu bag exactly. <laughs> you're yeah, locking I mean, that in. You know, I like, saying, I like okay, that. That, yeah. that money's that money's. Uh, yeah, fast pounds and slow pounds. So yeah. Yeah, if you do some fast pounding and then you like put that money into yeah you put that aside and you put it in the f bag until like that thing in itself is already like five six grand a month then you're really safe right yeah, then you're exactly. really like then you're really safe because then what, like, whatever happens like i have 5k a month i can live right i, I can literally yeah. redeploy everything into ideas and i wouldn't do that like recklessly but i could I could burn through everything every day if I wanted to, and it wouldn't matter. But yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true retirement because, like, there's this movement at the moment uh, around the world. I don't know if you know, know about it. But there's all these people who are retiring early, and they're basically just investing everything they possibly can um, yeah. over, say, like 20 years, and then retiring. But the problem with their structure is they're not living off the income. They're basically doing the the old uh, Buffett and Munger thing where they say invest and then when you retire, just take out what you need every year and leave everything else in, which is fine and it, that will work, but like that's, that's not true retirement. True retirement is never touching that money ever and living off the interest, you know? So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if you deplete it, like it doesn't really work, does it? Well, you're affecting the compounding like to quite a crazy I mean, for me, the best, well. the, be, the, be, <laughs> the best definition was still from the first book I ever read was the rich dad, poor dad. It's like you, you can measure how rich you are basically by saying how many days you can live without having to work, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if you're really, if you're really rich, you you just get you you just get more and more money like like if you put it in an etf and you just live off the dividend and the capital growth keeps you know increasing the value of your portfolio above and beyond the inflation rate then you're like 
infinitely rich to some degree, unless you need to yep. buy a yacht. Like, okay. Yeah, but that's, yeah, I agree with that. Like, that's like after inflation, after all cost. Yeah. For me, that's rich. If I like, if you make 5K a month and the rest is like, and you're not, you're not doing anything. You just make 5K, but it doesn't go down. It's not like 4,999 next month. It's either stable or more, adjusting for inflation. Yeah, I, I mean, if that's coming from the ETFs, that will be, you know, over time, you may get a year where you get a drop because of a recession, but over time, that's going to go up. That, that in itself is going to compound, right? The actual cash flows, not just the whole capital base. It's going to go up by yeah, 5 yeah, yeah. to 7% a year, which is awesome, man. Once you're at a certain level, you just literally can do nothing and you just, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I personally, my personal opinion, after studying everything and doing the academy and all these things, the best yeah. is still the most classic, which is the uh, the ETFs. They they just over time they they beat everything because they provide yeah. Yeah. no time, yeah. and the expense ratio is, which basically means for anyone that doesn't understand, how much does it cost you every year? Yeah. If you invest in anything else, there's a risk of capex. And with an ETF, yeah. there's like there's a cost, and this is all obvious to you, but to anyone listening who doesn't understand, that's just how much of your total base is going to cost you each year to keep it, and it's like it's not even worth discussing. On on like I don't know, ten grand, it probably costs you fifty quid a year or something like that. Eighteen so, basis points, I think, is Vanguard something like this. Twenty basis points. Yeah, so, so that's so the. That's the most true passive income and and uh, the yeah, slow yeah. pounds, if you will. So anyway. uh, that's what I will. Well, that's um, what I'm doing. I mean, I'm shifting now, but I, I will uh, basically over. Like I, I'm starting. I don't know when, but pretty soon. Just uh, put everything into S and P five hundred and shut the fuck up. Yeah, wait fifty years. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. because yeah. like yeah. I mean, you know. Even Buffett hasn't beaten the S&P 500 over the last 10 years. No, it's, 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 it's basically impossible. Um, so, yeah. You, yeah it's very more. hard if you're, not, if you're not spending a lot of time. And even if you are, it's not guaranteed. So. And it's not, a, it's not a game I'm interested in, so I'd rather like put my extra cash into that. And, and you don't have to worry. That's the nice thing. Like it, it yeah. actually stop worrying because you just do this stupid thing and just buy this stuff and that's it. Really dumb. Like yeah, you can do like, that oh, every month. Stupid, you know. Yeah, you do it every month until until you've hit your number and then forget about the rest. So yeah, yeah. No, I think this is very valuable. Like for people if they really think about, like you know, getting into doing their own thing like stick with what you know and don't let <laughs> don't let Elon Musk you know make you want to invent like a hyperspeed rocket propulsion technology that you know nothing <laughs> about <laughs> yeah or don't, or, or don't don't let us don't let us influence you in that way either because like you know we're technically working on all this kinds of technologies but like ultimately at this stage all that matters is how much money you make that doesn't that you're not trading for time right right so exactly get get to that number first and then then you can open a book and dream um but let's get there first so it's very yeah it's, it's yeah it's a very it's a kind of a very strange state like we're making money and it's not bad but it's not like it doesn't feel safe enough to take any uh, to take the risks yet, because like any given point in time, you don't know what what's ha- going to happen. For me, at least, I mean, no, no. it's not that I nothing would happen to me, but I just nothing would happen. Like uh, nothing would change, but it's just not it's just not obviously clear that the next five year every month twenty five k comes into the account. It's not clear. No. You know, no. it's not clear, and it needs to be that clear if you wanna. I mean, maybe twenty-five is a large number, but like, why not? Shouldn't be that hard. I don't know. Maybe twenty-five is an arbitrarily high number, but well, I'd rather have an arbitrarily high number than pick it 
you know, it's about again managing the risk, right? I mean, if you t if you make the number too small, like some guys talk about ramen profitability, yeah, but like, and then that website that you have turns off because like, just doesn't work anymore, and then you're back to zero. I think that's the problem. Yeah, it's, it me. comes back to margin of safety, right? If you're at that kind yeah. of number and you're doing that repeatedly, you've got to be doing a lot of valuable things for customers. Yeah. Um, and as such, you know, that's not just going to disappear overnight or change overnight. And ideally, you know, more than two, more definitely more than one source. Um, yeah. But ideally more yeah, than two or three. Three, so three sources is a little bit diversified, like, 8k from three sources then i think you're fine yeah something agreed like yeah uh we'll keep right. uh we'll, we'll keep updating you on where we're at in that um in that pathway and uh when we're there we'll flip it back over to uh more wild ideas but until then uh this is us right now um we'll keep yeah. telling you and keep telling you all the things we're learning because we're constantly arguing with ourselves about you know are we doing the right thing are we doing the right thing are we doing the right thing you know if you see us uh, you know holding funny signs close to <laughs> the, the london eye you know we fucked up <laughs> <laughs> selling selling uh clipper tickets <laughs> to greenwich <laughs> oh those were the days <laughs> hey hey andres Babe, scoop up that dog shit over there, will you, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe we end on a nice Buffett quote on, on that note. <laughs> yeah, t take it away. What does he say? Circle of competence. Know your circle of competence. Stick within it. The size of the of the circle is not very important. Knowing its boundaries, however, is vital. Gold. 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 Until next time. All right. See you later. See you later.